Hi there, it's Caitlin here, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to speak to those ELA teacher listeners who may not know a whole lot about EB Academics, where we came from, what our mission is, or our why behind what we do. To put it simply, Jessica and I were both ELA teachers in middle school classrooms, and together we knew there had to be a better way for teaching, not just sustainably, but to make it actually enjoyable for ourselves. And this is why we set out to develop the EB Writing Program and the EB Teachers Club. Our mission is simple, help middle school ELA teachers take back their time outside of the classroom by providing them with engaging lessons, planning framework, and support so that they can become the best version of themselves, both inside and outside of the classroom. We know firsthand the burden that educators carry daily, and we want to help teachers find that work-life balance they so desperately need and deserve. This all starts with a decision to make a change. Even just a small one can have a huge impact on your teaching career. So if you think you might be ready to try something new because you know you simply cannot continue the way that you have been, then I'd invite you to take a moment to check out the EB Writing Program or the EB Teachers Club by visiting the links in the description of the podcast. We know if you are hearing this message now, then you are already working on improving your craft. With that being said, we hope you know you are capable of change. Teaching doesn't have to be life-draining but it can be life-giving. We hope you continue to support you inside one of our programs. And in the meantime, we'll see you back here on the podcast each week. Welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. I am very excited about today's particular topic, but more importantly, the specific guest that we have on the podcast. Jennifer Hofferber is a veteran special educator who lives in Oklahoma, but has been a special education teacher in Kansas for the last 28 years. And what's really cool is her accolades. In 2007, she was named special educator of the year for the state of Kansas. And in 2015, she received the honor of being named to the Kansas Teacher of the Year team. And likewise, she got to travel the state visiting schools, talking to legislators, and collaborating with some amazing administrators and educators. And although she feels teaching children with disabilities is her calling, she has grown to love teaching teachers as well. Jennifer is an adjunct professor at a local community college. And just this school year, Jennifer left the classroom to take an instructional coaching position within her district in order to help other special educators survive and thrive in this particular field. This newly created position allows her to align the daily work that she does within her district with the work that she does within her business. The SPED Prep Academy was created in 2020 to allow Jennifer to support other special educators around the world through her own podcast, online courses, resources, and Teachers Pay Teachers products. Jennifer, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I could not think of a more qualified person to have a conversation around this particular topic. So welcome. We're so excited to have you. Well, thank you, Caitlin. I, when you say all those things, it sounds so, so exciting, but <laughs> it's really just my life. But thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be talking today specifically about how general education teachers can utilize a paraprofessional in their classroom. And I love this topic and I'm so excited to get into it with you because this is something that I really struggled with and I wasn't sure exactly how to best utilize the paraprofessionals that I did have in just a few classrooms that I was in. I was in private school, so not every classroom had a paraprofessional, unfortunately. But when I did, I was like, oh, I really want to utilize you the best, but I don't know exactly what to do. And I'm sure so many other teachers feel that same exact way. Um, So before we dive into how to do that, 
I'd love to hear from you, you know, to define like what is a paraprofessional and how many schools actually are utilizing them? Well, I've learned that they're called different things than paraprofessionals. In my district, that's what we've always called them. But through my business, I've realized that they are called a lot of different things throughout the country and even the world. So they might be called assistant teacher assistants or para pros, para educators, any of those names. Um, it's just basically somebody who assists special education teachers or related service providers like your speech pathologists or your occupational therapist, your physical therapist, supporting them in a school setting to help provide services to students with special needs. Mm -hmm. And I love the definition when you break down those two parts of that word, para means working, para means alongside. And then you put professional in there and we all know what a professional is. So when you put the two parts together, para professional literally means working alongside the professional. And I love the thought behind that because in many cases, paraprofessionals might see themselves or feel that others might see them as just a para. And I hate when I hear that term because they're so much more than just a para. And I think it's important for teachers to understand just how needed this position is. And special educators literally couldn't do their job without them. Mm, yeah, that's so true. I love looking at it from that perspective of working alongside. That's just so much more powerful. Of you know, how to collaborate and work together toward a common goal of helping students. Um, so right now, I mean, in your experience that you've seen traveling and all the work that you've gotten to do, how are many schools utilizing paraprofessionals currently in the classrooms? Well, I feel like they utilize them the most as um, support within the general education um, self-contained classroom. That's where a lot of you're going, that's where you're going to see a lot of them. But in my position, we use our paraprofessionals as um, support within inclusion. And I think that's where your audience, that's where your um, viewpoint would come from, is having those paraprofessionals come in to provide services in the classroom with you, alongside you. Perfect. So as we're leading through and working through this discussion, we'll come at it with that frame of I'm a general education teacher and I have this support in my classroom and how am I going to best utilize it? And I think that's so helpful. So I'd love to know, you know, what is a common misconception that maybe people have about having a paraprofessional within the general education classroom? Like, so what are some things that you run into as you're working with teachers? I think probably the most common misconception is that the para will just do the work for the student and then the student won't be held accountable for that work or for their learning. And unfortunately, that might be the case in some instances. And that's why I'm here. That's why I want to share that message with anyone who will listen is because it shouldn't be this way and it doesn't have to be this way. There are steps that we can take to remedy this issue. Para professionals should be in there to support the student, to help them learn just right alongside their peers and they shouldn't be doing the work for them. Now there are going to be accommodations and possibly modifications for that child that need to be put into place, but they definitely shouldn't be doing the work. And mm -hmm. so I think a lot of general education teachers view that, that they, they don't want them to get that extra help because they want to know what they actually can and can't do. So there's a kind of a fine line that the paraprofessional has to walk there. Some other misconceptions are that the para is in there for only one student and mm. or one or two students. And that that is a misconception. They can be in there for for any child. And then and that, the last misconception that I was 
thinking of is that the parrot is more of a hindrance than mm-hmm. a help. And it definitely doesn't have to be that way. You having that extra set of hands in there is an amazing opportunity for you if you have a parrot in your classroom. And so all of those misconceptions are just that they're misconceptions and they, there's ways to remedy all of those. Mm. That last point is so interesting and really speaks into the experience that I had. Um, you know, with my first paraprofessional, we, we called them resource teachers at our school and I, I didn't know how to utilize her well. And so I did feel that way. I was like, oh, I got to figure out, you know, how to make the most use of her. And so it did for me become that because I wasn't coached and I wasn't taught how to properly, you know, nurture and manage this relationship where then at my most recent school that I was last at, I had a resource teacher who was like, look, here's how we're going to work together. And she really helped me understand how we could work together for certain students and to help them. And it was the most beautiful experience to go through. And so I love that, you know, after even having had that hindrance perspective, I was able to shift to, oh my gosh, this is absolutely wonderful. I just needed someone to kind of show me the way and teach me how, which is why I think this conversation is so valuable. And I so appreciate you coming on the podcast to share your knowledge with us. Um, so with that being said, you know, in, in my experience too, I think this ties into that. What are some of the benefits to having a paraprofessional in your general education classroom that you've seen? Well, just like you said, having that mindset where you, you know, you might have a negative mindset, just being open to the possibility that it could be great. One of the biggest struggles for teachers is that there's simply not enough hours in the day to meet all of the requirements for the profession. And many teachers are tackling this immense workload alone without a paraprofessional, without a volunteer, without, you know, a parent, you know, even volunteering in their classroom, they're doing it alone. And there really, there really shouldn't be that mindset that shouldn't be a negative thing to have somebody else in there. I think for most people who have worked in a co-teaching situation with a paraprofessional will tell you that the teachers and the students alike both benefit from having two adults in the classroom. If you think about it, not only does the, the student benefit from that extra attention, they also benefit from working in smaller groups at times. And so these learning groups can allow a teacher to target the needs of a select group of students and teach to their specific ability or their specific interest level. And then that paraprofessional can pull small groups as well to work with them, or they can be monitoring the large group while the teacher's working with small groups. So there's just so many different possibilities when you have more than one adult in the classroom. Either way, um, having those two teachers is is the best hope for learning. I think that every teacher knows the frustration of being interrupted when you're trying to have a lesson. And if you have another adult in that classroom, they can just, you know, redirect that situation and um, deal with some of those negative behaviors that that you're Mm -hmm. you're seeing in the classroom. And, you know, kids are off task. And can I can I get up and sharpen my pencil and the parrot can quietly, you know, figure out how to deal with that while you're still teaching. And there's not this, this huge gap in the instruction. So just those, just having someone there to redirect those minimal um, or redirect those interruptions just makes it a lot more minimal. Mm. So this alone, I feel like can save teachers and students a tremendous amount of time and frustration when you have two people in the classroom. 
Yeah, absolutely. That has been my experience, even just partner teaching. I used to partner teacher with another math teacher and we'd teach the whole group lesson together. And then we'd break off into smaller groups and to just have the two of us. And then sometimes my mom would come in and help and volunteer in the classroom. So there'd be three adults walking around and like, it was just really powerful. And I think, you know, one of the things that I struggled with early on in, in, in using a resource teacher or paraprofessional in my case was that I wasn't open to that. I, I felt a lot of like, oh, I didn't want to be judged for like how I was teaching. So I felt like protective over what I was doing. And then the moment that I let that go is the moment that I started to see all of these endless possibilities of having other parents, 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 but people, paraprofessionals, teachers, whatever in your classroom, helping you. I mean, it makes a huge difference for our students. And at the end of the day, like that's what it's about, right? It's not about my ego or me being protective over my lessons as the teacher. It's about helping our students learn and how can we best get them to get, to get there. Um, so with that being said, you know, what are some of the challenges that, you know, general education classroom teachers face in working with a paraprofessional? Well, I think the biggest challenge is probably the amount of time that it would take to collaborate and not just to collaborate, but to collaborate with intentionality, you know, finding the time to be on the same page with your lessons, modifying those lessons, differentiating, you know, two or three different ways of teaching the same lesson who's going to teach it, what's, what's going to happen, when's it going to happen. So there's, that's definitely a challenge. But just like you, you spoke to the give and take of two different personalities, you know, that could, that could be a challenge as well as for the teacher. Like you said, you're going to have to give up some of that control. You're going to have to be able to release a little of that. Um, this, you know, it's my classroom, it's my way and give some of that to the para so that they understand. Um, that they have, you know, a, a buy-in and they have a feeling of belonging in that classroom as well. And then the para is going to have to understand their role. You know, this mm-hmm. is your classroom. We, we teach our paras that this is the teacher's classroom and they need to, we want them to be a part of it, but we don't want them to try to, you know, to take over or to step on your toes. We want them there to be a support for you and, and not a hindrance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just, it works, you know, it's going to look different in every situation. Um, some teachers are going to be a lot more willing to release some of that than others, but it's definitely a, a two-way you know, conversation that has to happen in order for it to be successful. Yeah. And I think too, as like the general classroom teacher, as you were just saying that I can imagine as a paraprofessional to come in how difficult that would be, you know, that you don't want to disappoint and you want to do a good job. You want to be included in what's going on. Um, and so just, I think having that perspective as a general educator or a general classroom teacher, knowing that the paraprofessional is coming in, maybe feeling that way, like, how do we get to say, Hey, like with open arms, you're welcome here. I'm excited that you're here. Like that's just going to create so much more camaraderie and, um, you know, working together and just doing what's right by the students, right? Like ultimately that's the goal at the end of the day. I think we've had, we've had situations when I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because we've had situations where our paras will just be sitting in a classroom, you know, at the back and just, you know, kind of waiting to be told what to do because they don't know how to insert themselves Mm -hmm. into that lesson or into that classroom. And so as general education teachers, please put them to work. You know, that's what they get paid for. They're there to, support the student, but they're also there to support you. So give them jobs to do, whether it's directly with that student that they're assigned to, 
or if that student doesn't need help, then, you know, put them to work doing something else within the classroom. Yeah. So going along with that, like, what are some of the acceptable things that we can ask our paraprofessionals to do? Well, there's a very wide range of things that paras can do. So it might be just a little bit easier to tell you what they shouldn't do. Okay. <laughs> um, a paraprofessional should not be in charge of any initial instruction for a subject or topic. They shouldn't be giving that, um, that, that, that's your job. That's your role is to provide that initial instruction. So say you're going to introduce long division, you should introduce it, you should teach it. And then they will back you up. They will support your way of teaching it. They'll support, um, they'll support the child in learning it maybe in a different way, but it's not their job to provide that upfront instruction. Mm-hmm. Um, they should not be in charge of writing lesson plans. You know, that's, that's your job. You can work together to create them. And for sure, that's, that's important, but they shouldn't be just expected to create the lesson plans for themselves. Um, and in my opinion, they shouldn't be considered a building aid, someone who's making copies, running errands. That's not their position. They are in that classroom to work with children, mm-hmm. whether it's special needs students or other students, they're in there to work with kids. And so um, a lot of teachers will take advantage of that. You know, I need to, I need to, um, I need you to go make copies for me. And it, it, we tell our parents, you know, once in a while, I completely understand that, but that should not be their main priority. So some of the things that they can do is to carry out behavior plans that the special education teacher has written. They can support students with their IEP goals, with the support kids in, in the curriculum that you're providing. Um, they can instruct small groups of students. They can do one, one-on-one lessons in your classroom. They can even do a whole group lesson. If you've you know worked it out and they um, feel comfortable, they can do that. Um, they're going to be implementing and reminding the teachers of accommodations that need to be provided. They, um, might even help you with making some of the modifications to an assignment, um, creating act- activities that are that are differentiated for the students who are on an IP. Those are some of the things that they could do. That's very helpful. I thank you so much for laying that all out. And you know, with the copies thing, <laughs> I'm the kind of person who I would be like, I'll go do the copies. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would hate to ever ask another adult to do that favor for me. Um, and so I'm just glad that you're laying that out for us so clearly, like these are professionals who are working in our classroom, who are there to be with students. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, gosh, my favorite, favorite resource teacher, absolutely loved her. She was this older woman and just really supported me in my role as teacher. And I would always ask her after each lesson, was there anything that I could have done better? So I really used her too, to help me become better at my craft because she would be honest with me. She'd say, you know, when you were explaining this concept, you went a little bit too fast. I think it was lost on some students. And that was just so helpful to be able to have kind of that constant feedback on your own work that you're doing in the classroom to help meet the needs of all of your students. Um, so if you're open to that type of feedback from somebody, like I would definitely utilize that opportunity to ask that because you have another adult in there who can provide that feedback for you on a consistent basis. I mean, would you say that that's something okay to ask of them? Oh yeah. I mean, if they're comfortable giving it to you and you're comfortable hearing it, definitely. I know that a lot of um, our staff will come to us and say, I wish they would have done this, or I wish they would have done that. But I I'm like, well, don't tell me, go tell right. them, you know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you have to, the teacher has to have the mindset yeah. to be open enough to hearing that critique. And I think that, a lot of times, like you said at the very beginning, you, 
they're coming into your room and you don't want to feel judged about your lessons or you don't want to feel um, like you're being watched all the time. They're not there to watch you. They're not there to judge you. They're just there to support their students. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't worry about um, impressing them or offending them. Just, you know, do your job and, and support them and doing theirs and everybody should, you know, get along just fine. <laughs> um, what about paras who are assigned to be with like a one-to-one student, how can we utilize them or like, what should we make sure that we don't do, or how can we best support a para in that particular instance? Well, even if a para is assigned to one student within your classroom, it is totally acceptable for them to work with other students. The goal of special education is to make our students as independent as possible so that they no longer need us. Mm -hmm. And they can't do that if we are always hovering over them. So our paras should begin to support this theory by backing off, you know, going over and helping other students who are struggling with a long division again, where our students might just be counting, you know, within 10, it might be that extreme, but if they're doing, if they're counting within 10 and they're being independent with it, or they have another student who wants to work with them for sure, go over and help another student with their work. Um, It is totally acceptable to help grow their independence and, provide them with opportunities to engage with their peers and not just always be side by side stuck with that child all the time. We do not encourage that at all. That's incredibly, that's freeing almost to, to know that and to hear that. Um, Cause you know, when that was the instance with me, I was always, I always didn't want to do the wrong thing. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to take away from the fact that they were supposed to be working together, but that is so helpful to hear um, because that makes, makes perfect sense. You know, that our ultimate goal is to help our students be able to be there with, without us and to learn without us. Um, so I love that. And it might be that that paraprofessional has never been told that themselves. So Mm -hmm. having that conversation between the special education teacher and yourself and the para and laying it, laying it out there and making those decisions as a team is beneficial instead of just telling the the para, Oh, go work with this other child and let him, you know, do things on his own. So you might always want to have that conversation because not all teachers are, or not all paras are being told that Mm -hmm. information. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we kind of already touched on how teachers and paras can really work together to ensure success for all of our students. Was there anything else that you wanted to add to that, that we haven't gotten to touch on, um, or anything that you want to like leave our audience with? There's one thing that I, as a general education, education teacher take away from listening to this podcast episode, like what, what would you want that to be? Well, I just feel like if you're lucky enough to have one, then you're lucky enough to have one, you know, put them to work. If they're in your classroom, you've got another set of hands there that could literally make a difference in um, your job and your students um, education. And to, to do that, you're going to have to set a time together where you can work, you know, work things out. Don't just leave it to chance. Um, Mm -hmm. Be intentional about it. Have a sit down once a week, have a sit down, once a month, whatever it is, just make it intentional and develop that, um, that goal and kind of a plan of how you're going to work together. And so just my, my bottom line is just don't leave it to chance. Just make sure Mm -hmm. that you're having those open lines of communication. 
I love that. That's so, so, so helpful. Well, thank you so much. I feel like this is a topic that doesn't get to be discussed enough. You know, we focus so much on like ELA strategies and this, this, and this, but this affects a lot of teachers and impacts a lot of our students. So to have this knowledge from you is just incredibly helpful. Like, thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Well, you're welcome. I enjoyed it. And I, I love talking about paraprofessionals. It's my kind of my niche area. So anytime I'm able to support general education teachers in this area, it's just always, you know, a joy of mine. I love it. Where can we find you? So teachers are like, oh my gosh, that was so helpful. I want more. What else can I learn from Jennifer? I know you have a podcast. Can you point us in some of the directions that you'd like us to connect with you? Yeah, I have, um, my business is called Sped Prep Academy and I do have a podcast by that name. You can find me on Instagram, um, Facebook. I do teach, I do sell on Teachers Pay Teachers under that name as well. But if you're wanting just a resource to help you um, work together with your special education team, you can go to um, spedprepacademy.com slash team and find that resource um, get signed up for my email list. And, you know, I love, I love to teach. And so letting me teach you and supporting you in anything that you need help with is just It's just my jam. That's what I love to do. (laughs) I love it. Well, that is wonderful. We'll include all of that in the show notes for you guys as well. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining me on the podcast and we will see you guys next week. Have a great day, everybody.